Hello and welcome to Fortinet Live. I'm Derek Mankey and joining me today is Renee Torin, Deputy CISO and Vice President of Information Security. How are you doing, Renee? Great, Derek. Great to be here. Yeah, great to chat with you again. Um, you know, so I wanted to, to, we've been talking about this for a while and as you know, with FortiGuard Labs, we released our our second half 2021 threat landscape report. And since then, we're continuing to see um, some some key trends on the threat landscape. As you know, we're also living in this extended state of heightened security, uh, as we say, worldwide. And some of the some of these drivers that we're seeing behind this, and you know, the, the why should we be in this? You know, why are we in the heightened state of security? Some of the drivers we pointed out in the threat landscape report were um, sophistication. So I wanted to talk to you about that of threats, as well as um, speed too. Some unprecedented speed that we're seeing threats move at in terms of how quickly. Cyber criminals and attackers are, um, you know, capitalizing on fresh zero-day vulnerabilities. As an example, uh, we're seeing more and more diversity and sophistication of, you know, uh, ransomware threats. As an example, aggressive ransomware, and then all the other problems on the APT side too. So, you know, Renee, you you interface with um, CISOs um, worldwide on a, on a daily basis, and I'm, I know you've had this conversation a lot before. So I just wanted to see, you know, ask you. What's been sort of front in mind and center in these conversations when when you're talking about the heightened security issue? Yeah, I think for a lot of CISOs, I mean, the concern is, like you said, Derek, it's, you know, the, the number of sophistication of, of threats, they're definitely getting more sophisticated. You know, the, the number of uh, entry points into networks and organizations that, that, that really the threat landscape um, Mm. The platform and area that where you know CISOs, you know, because again they're facing having to protect their stuff on prem, in cloud, multiple clouds, and so really the entire environment that they have to protect, you know, their concern is because the adversary is moving at speed and scale, and they have so much on their plate to protect. The concern is keeping pace with the adversaries. You know, as the adversaries continue to increase their sophistication, and like you said, we're seeing adversaries use, using more automation in, in their attacks. Um, being able to attack, you know, a wide variety of, of, of targets simultaneously, um, building those scalable platforms to launch their their attacks, um, and leveraging automation AI against us. And so, for a lot of CISOs, it's again, it's stay, trying to stay that one step ahead, um, and making sure that you know they're keeping up to date with you know the latest trends and, and ensuring that they're trying to do some of the things at speed and scale like the adversaries are. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, like like the old saying goes, you don't want to bring a knife to a gunfire, right? But the interesting thing is here, there's a lot of strategic things that can be done defensively to to help uh, protect against the growing offense that we see, especially with the speed, uh, the sophistication and scale. That That's something I'm seeing, too, with these um, cyber crime groups. You know, we've referred to this as advanced persistent cyber crime, where they're focusing, um, you know, acting in more APT-like fashion. You know, a lot of organizations would say in the past, you know, why, why would I be a, a victim or a tar of a target, say of a nation state group or an APT actor? But the, in reality, you know, what we're seeing um, on a threat landscape with FortiGuard Labs is this convergence, just like we're seeing the convergence of networking and security, the convergence also of cyber crime, which is actually a lion's share of activity we're seeing with, um, you know, APT-like uh, weaponization of, of you know as i said um zero day vulnerabilities and threats so it's it, it's a real threat right it's not just this um uh you know um it could happen one day right it's, it's actually activity that we're seeing happen on a daily basis we we've already put out 
five, I think five threat signals um, this year, just in Q1 uh, on Wiper ransomware as an example, right? More destructive type threats that are happening, trends that are happening from the ransom uh, ransomware and cybercrime side. And I'm sure that's also been a concern when you talk to CISOs too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for a lot of organizations, uh, some are coming to that reality. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, mm. Something's bad is going to be happening into their environments. Um, and so from my perspective, what's going to set separate the good, the bad from the ugly is really how well organizations are prepared. Um, and like you said, putting some of those, you know, defensive mechanisms in, in place, um, but also ensuring that they have the right, you know, capabilities for doing some detection and monitoring and then the res right response capabilities in there. Um, and a lot of that requires leveraging, you know, automation and AI for a lot of organizations, you know, there's still there's this major cyber you know, skills gap. Um, and so, you know, the organizations are really trying to look at leveraging, you know, some of the technologies to really kind of help them. Um, but a lot of it also comes down to having, you know, it's not only having the good, you know, technology in place, but you also have some of that have good, good processes in place. Um, kind of like I said, when if something bad does happen, organizations really need to have, you know, a good incident response plan um, to respond to something bad happens, um, and also a, a good recovery plan. So if they do get, lose operations, they lose productivity, how can they get back up and running a, a, as quickly as possible? And similar to, you know, looking on some of that, that monitoring, you know, leveraging some of the technologies like sandboxing, because again, we're still seeing, like you said, a lot of ransomware um, is coming in. Um, and that's all being driven majority by social engineering attacks. So that's either coming in as those email phishing or spear phishing attacks or even whaling attacks. And so doing things like sandboxing and having those detonation, detonation chambers in place so that you can really, you know, see what something a malicious file is before they activate it are some of those proactive steps. And that's where organizations really kind of need to get to is, is focusing on doing more some of those proactive strategies. And yeah. training, training is another, another big piece for organizations because as the adversary steps up their game and changes their techniques and tactics, you know, we really need to be changing, you know, our educating our workforce on how, you know, they can defend themselves when they start seeing these things, these you know, malicious messages coming into their inbox and, you know, being targeted. Yeah, and the, the you, you can't protect against what you can't see. And this gets it in this conversation um, that we've had many times in the past on on, on the known knowns, so the unknown knowns, and then the unknown unknowns, right? Which are really the, the zero day threats, right? Because we have this growing amount of vectors, different ways that attackers can get into systems. It's not just about using the browser anymore, as an example, or uh, let's say a PDF reader, right? They're, they're, that attack surface keeps growing. And there's new ways through more attack avenues, right? That they're being able to use to get into systems so that the visibility, especially for detonation, as you said, sandboxing detonation, deception technology is another one of those two, right? Where you can actually deploy decoys and try to um, find potential new attack activity, trap that also. Um, the, you know, the being able to respond to these at speed, I think is also important because uh, an, another disturbing trend that we're seeing is that the dwell time so this is how long threats actually, when they get on a system, they can actually persist, um, like an advanced persistent threat uh, on that system. It hasn't been going in the right direction. That dwell time has actually increased on average year over year over the past, I think, two or three years, especially you know, if we look at the Ponomine Institute cost of a data breach report and, and also um, statistics and threat modeling we do with FortiGuard Labs. And so you know, it's really important to be able to detect that threat, reduce that dwell time, that living window that it has so that the, the risk and damage is, is decreased. 
and also to be able to um, stop it up front. So that zero day, you talked about the detonation and inline sandboxing as an example, being able to stop it before the damage is done is really important because the, the other trend that we're seeing with 40 Guard Labs, going back to that speed conversation, is that uh, threats are the attack window. So that whole life cycle from doing you know blueprinting, reconnaissance, penetration of a system, exfiltration of data, that window is shrinking. It's the opposite end, right? It's, it's actually happening quicker meaning they can be in and out of, of a system, get exfiltrate data on a much quicker scale than before. So being able to, to, to mitigate that, detect those threats and stop it before that happens at speed and scale is actually incredibly important today. Absolutely, and you bring up a good point about the deception technologies. I've always been a really big proponent of the deception talk te technologies. Because yep. um, like you said, you know, from my perspective, you want to be able to either slow the adversary down, confuse the adversary, or frustrate the adversary so that they go either go bother somebody else or, you know, they, they do something that tip their hands to allow you to have that inside knowledge that, hey, there is something fishy going on in, inside your, your network. And so, you know, giving you a tip off that something's bad going on. But for some organizations, they think, yep, that's on my roadmap. Yep, that's, that's you know, later stage. But, you know, for my philosophy is, you know, a lot of organizations want to kind of build their, their fortress, but there's nothing worse than building your fortress just to find out at the end you've got rats already running around your walls. So from my perspective, having some of those technologies that like deception in place that allows you to, if there's someone trying to do laterally or access things they shouldn't be, even from an insider threat perspective, you know, we've seen the number of insider threat attacks also going up at, as of late. And so being able to, you know, give you that, my, my, my idea of early warning um, indications, um, to me, I think that's a one step ahead of, you know, keeping um, ahead of the adversaries. But also, again, we're still seeing a lot of attacks, successful attacks being done by simply, you know, what I call the low hanging fruit, you know, unpatched systems. Um, and so, you know, it's coming down to also ensuring that you do some of that basics, that good cyber hygiene. Um, I know for a lot of organizations, sometimes they it's, it's, you know, trying to keep up and, you know, their system admins are, you know, overworked already. Um, but that's going to be an advantage to the adversary. It's kind of like leaving your, you know, your doors and windows yeah. un unlocked at night. And if you leave it unlocked, you know, someone's going to eventually try and, you know, come in and test it. Um, so again, you know, organizations, it, it really takes those proactive strategies of having a good vulnerability patch um, management process in place. And so some of those type processes in place. So it does take that combination of, you know, having strong people, you know, processes and, and technology in place. There is no silver bullet, unfortunately, in cybersecurity in our business. Um, wish there was. Yeah. Wish Fortnite would create it. It would make all of our lives easier. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah. um, you know, it takes a combination of all three of those things in, in the cyber world. Yeah, and that, and that really is best practice, right, <laughs> when it comes to cyber hygiene. And and um, you mentioned the low-hanging fruit. That's always been a challenge, and that continues to be. Um, last year, NIST and the MBD tracked over 20,000 new CVEs. Uh, that was a net new record. Um, so that, and th those are net new on top of what was, you know, reported the year, the year prior, right? And so the patch management discussion that we always have is just one of those fundamentals, right? That we need to keep on talking about. And like, if that's not the silver bullet, no, but it is part of that holistic strategy. And the nice thing about, um, you know, like, um, I completely agree with you on, on, on the training and the skills gap, um, the best I think the most effective way to approach that is you have to free those people up. You have to have, you have to have the, the, the cycles, right? So that they can actually spend more time on training. How do you do that? You can replace the, what I call the mundane or the day-to-day -day tasks of, let's say of a SOC analyst, right? Who's typically looking at 
at logs, analyzing the log and then creating policies because of that, right? Or having to look at detections from a sandbox and realize, hey, for some reason this policy wasn't created and, and this malware actually went through. So now I got to hunt it down and track it. All of that can be placed, replaced, right? With integration orchestration, the, the security fabric and threat intelligence, of course. Well, their cycles can be refactored for things like training as well. So that's, I think that's an effective model, right? Also sort of the, this next generation model, how we approach the SOC too. Absolutely. That, that the, the SOAR brings in a whole next level of sophistication into your security operations center. Um, and it also, it not only frees up, you know, your, your analysts to work on higher priority things and also, you know, upskill, um, you know, their, their abilities. Um, but also it helps you in that, that response time. When you take those playbooks and you put in automated responses, um, yes. again, it, it goes back to doing things at network speed and scale. Um, it takes, you know, manual speed in today's environment is just no longer a, a, sophisticated, a sufficient strategy. So we've got to be leveraging automation and AI because, um, you know, as I said before, the adversary is using it against us. And so we need to be leveraging that in our arsenal as well. Yeah, and um, I'm glad you mentioned the word playbook too, because we always have to remember that this to 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 the adversary, they have a strategy of, of their own, right? They have a playbook that they've created. And going back to, I completely agree with you. Going back to the deception technology, I'm also a big fan because not only when you um, when, when you can trap them uh, literally in their tracks, right, during an attack. Um, yes, it does help to detect and identify and give that early warning, like you said. But you also got to think that you mentioned it slows them down. I love that 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 thought as it actually forces them to go back to the drawing board saying, wait, I've hit the wrong target here. I've got to go back and revise my playbook, which of course is, is a big cost to the adversary, right? We always have to consider this as the cost on their model too. So, so it's, um, um, that's, it, it's a pretty effective approach when you combine those elements. Absolutely. And in some of the next generation, you know, deception technology even allows you to incorporate some response activities into that as well. So, um, yeah. It does help you even and take it to the, the next layer. But um, again, like you said, it's, you know, the, the adversaries will constantly revise their playbooks. Um, and also it's like we're seeing a lot of them take a multi-pronged approach, you know, so leveraging a spear phishing attack as well as lo launching DDoS attacks. So they're trying multiple techniques and tactics simultaneously and almost yeah. doing kind of like a distraction, um, you know, technique and, you know, doing something overt so that, you know, security operations and network operation centers are responding, but then also going into looking at other backdoors that may not necessarily be, you know, being focused on right away and kind of go into those vulnerabilities, um, you know, that haven't been patched yeah. and taking advantage of them. Yeah. And, and we also have to remember there's a lot more um, uh, stakeholders out there on the on the adversary side as well too. We're seeing more like the affiliate model, the ransom as a service model as an, as an example. Each individual has their own, um, you know, the, their own idea or flavor of attack that they would like to use. And that's exactly what's driving what you just said, right? It's not just not just one attempt, multiple and unfortunately different avenues. But you know, the good news, bad news as we talk about, I think this is a good news conversation, right? Because yes, we always talk, we, we know the threat is there. We talk about that all the time, but everything like you said, there. You know, bad news is there is no silver bullet, but the good news is there's a lot of good technology out there that can be combined holistically. All the stuff that we talked about all the way down from, you know, the people, not just the, not just the technology piece, but the people process technology, um, all that together is, is very effective against everything that we've been talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's also a lot of free training out there. And if Fortnite offers its um, training academy out there free. 
Um, you know, so if organizations can lever, you know, that free training to help, you know, especially on, on the people side. Um, so, you know, there are definitely things out there that organizations can be done because like you said, it's, it is scary out there right now because again, you know, there's a low entry to barrier to getting into the adversary side, because again, we see a lot of the, uh, the kits and stuff and the, yeah. and the malware being bought and sold like a commodity. Um, so you don't necessarily need the sophisticated, you know, coding skills to um, become a hacker. Um, and so that's why, you know, you're seeing more and more um, groups. I think it was one of your last reports, you even said that you've seen more groups now coming in and activating, doing things on the ransomware and wipeware um, than we've ever seen in the past. And I think those yeah. numbers are only going to continue to grow. Yep, absolutely. So the time is now. It's always a good time, right, to talk, to talk about this in the heightened security. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Renee, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I know you're very busy, as, as we all are monitoring. We'll continue to monitor this heightened state of security. Uh, we're on it 24-7, 365, at Forty Guard Labs, of course. Thanks again for your time, Renee. Thanks, Derek. It's always a pleasure. All right. It's Derek Mankey with Fortinet Live signing off. Mm -hmm.